Well, every one of my sports teams lost yesterday. Cubs, Volunteers, Purdue. So we're just going to talk about Jesus today, all right? That's all we're going to do. We're just going to talk about, we're going to leave that alone, all right? Um, If I were to ask you this question, I think most of the hands would raise. I think most of you in the room would go, yes, I've heard of him. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a second. Have you ever heard of the man Abraham in the Bible? How many of you heard of Abraham in the Bible? All right, most of you raised your hand. The reason you know Abraham is because he's a legend. The reason you know Abraham is because he had such great faith. The reason you know Abraham was God chose him to build a nation through him. But if we were at Publix and we're both at the deli getting some, you know, lunch meat or whatever, and I would say to you, I cannot remember Abraham's father. I can't remember Abraham's father's name. I'm trying to pull it up. I bet 90% of you in the room would not know that his name is Terah, T-E-R-A-H. How many of you in the room would not know that or couldn't pull that up at at, at Delhi? Right. Now, why is that? Why is it that all of us in the room know Abraham? We know something about Abraham, but how come none of us in the room can even recall or pull out the name Terah. We don't know Terah. So here's what happens. Terah and Abraham and Lot and all these guys and their entire family, God said, leave the land of Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans, and I want you to go all the way to the land of Canaan. And so that's a long journey. So Ur is about modern-day Babylon, uh, not modern-day Babylon, it's the Babylonian area, which is Iraq, Iran, so about that area of, of the world, go all the way up then to Haran and then all the way back down to Jerusalem. Here's what the Bible says, Terah stopped, Terah stopped along the way. The reason that you and I do not know Terah's name and the reason that we can't pull it out is because Terah stopped along the way. Now, in life, sometimes it's good to stop. And sometimes some relationships need to go away. And sometimes some business relationships need, you need to stop. But most of the time when it comes to the spiritual world, stopping spiritually is not a good thing. And the parable of the sower represents people. Three of the four people stopped along the way. Simon Peter starts off pretty well, doesn't he? But Simon Peter takes out his sword in the, in the garden. He cuts off Malchus's ear, and I'll die with you. And about two hours later, no, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. No, I've never heard of him. He stopped along the way. I think Judas started well. But for some reason, Judas stopped along the way. Now, imagine in the real world, you're a bridge builder. And so, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, you get the contract, and you're going to build the bridge. You're going to build Clearwater Bridge. It's a long bridge, isn't it? Big bridge, long bridge. Probably took several years to do. We weren't here yet. But let's decide, let's say that you decide that you're only going to build half the bridge. You build half the bridge, and you stop, and you're done. it's, It's no good. You're a road builder. And so you get the contract, and you're going to build the Courtney Campbell Causeway. And you're going to start maybe back over there like Rocky Point, and you've got to come all the way, you know, down here. But you decide after a mile that you're done, 
And the, bri- and the bridge is half done, and the road is like half done. You've stopped along the way. You don't know Tara because Tara stopped along the way. Now, what happens when you stop spiritually? What happens when you stop inviting people to church? What happens when you stop having faith that God will answer your prayers? What happens when you stop believing that God can have the power to transform your life and impact your family's life and impact everybody? What happens when you stop giving? What happens when you stop believing? What happens when you stop being a servant? What happens when you stop forgiving people? What happens when you stop loving the people who are around you? What, what's at stake when you stop this? Yesterday, my crew was out on our boat, and I was actually working, and so they were picking me up for dinner, and I'm at the marina, and I'm there at the marina, and I'm working on t- today's sermon. I got a little sheet of paper, and I'm trying to memorize everything. And one of the guys at the marina, his name is Dylan, and I've met Dylan now four or five times, and he's one of the new deckhands there. And, and so um, Dylan looked at me, and I was sitting there on the chair, and he said, he said, aren't you a priest? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, no, I didn't want to embarrass him. I said, well, no, I'm a pastor, I'm a minister. And um, he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just kind of learning my sermon for tomorrow. I said, my crew's out, they're going to come pick me up, we're gonna, I'm going to get on the boat, we're going to go to dinner. And... Um, he said, oh, I said, I said, Dylan, do you have a faith? He said, eh, not really. I said, did you grow up in church? He said, well, you know, he's 24, 25. He said, till I was about 8 or 10, we went to church. He said, but then we quit going. Now, what's at stake with that? What's at stake with his, I don't know his parents, but what's at stake when his parents stop along the way? And so I said to him, I said, well, Dylan, if you give me 20 minutes, I, I think I can convert you. And he just started laughing. You know, I thought that was really funny. I said, I said, bro, I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. And I said, you know, I started talking to him about his faith. But what, what happens when you stop sharing the Scriptures with people? What happens with that? You see, what's at stake? What's at stake for your family if you stop in your spiritual journey? What's at stake for your coworkers if you stop along the way? What's at stake for this community if and when you decide to stop along the way? Now, how do people get started? Well, people get started in their faith because maybe they grew up in church or or maybe they were desperate. There was a great need. They went through a divorce or they have cancer and they're asking God to do something great. Or maybe they they were invited by somebody and they go and they hear and their minds begin to think, well, something had to happen. I mean, the tomb was empty. Some, something had to happen. The, those guys go from cowards to courageous. So, so maybe somebody gets started because their mind begins to work, and they begin to think about some of these things. Well, how, how do people stop? How, how do people start and stop? How, how does that happen? How do people get going, and then they stop in their faith? Well, maybe you prayed for your mother to be cured of a disease, and she died. And so you just think, well, maybe God isn't real. How, how do people stop? They get discouraged. They get distracted. They get busy. They have other priorities. And what what begins to happen then is they lose the focus of their life. What's at stake if you stop? Who's at stake if you don't keep developing your faith? What is at stake in the area of your ministry and of your life? And so there is a question that everybody has to answer. It's a watershed question. 
In fact, it's the question, it is the question. And unless this question is answered, you will start and you will stop and you will start and you will stop and you will start and you will stop. Now, now, now why, why is it, and probably some of you in this room, you've started, you go to church for like three months, but then like, you like check out for like four months. You start, but then you just go AWOL for the next four months. How, how does that happen? How, how do you start and then how do you stop? And then, then you resurface like five or six months later. Glad you resurfaced. But you're going to start and stop again. You're going to start and stop again. You're going to start and stop again unless you can answer the fundamental question. And there is a watershed issue that every one of us in this room has to be able to have answered deep within our soul. And if it's not within your soul, you're going to start and you're going to stop, and you're going to start, and you're going to stop, and you're going to start, and then you're going to resurface. Now, Jesus asked his disciples a question, and he goes into this area called Caesarea Philippi. Did I ever tell you I went to Israel? Did I, did I ever mention that? I've been, I've been to this place twice, and Caesarea Philippi is this really cool place, the northern part of the, air, of the land, and, and what it is, is is there was a temple built on top of this giant rock to Caesar, Philip kind of remodels the whole place, and so they call it Caesarea Philippi, after Caesar and after Philip. But the point is, Jesus comes into this area, there's no church, there's no deacons, there's no elders, there's no buildings, there's no preachers, there's no pastors, there's nothing, and Jesus comes into this area, and this area is filled with idols, all in the crevices in the rocks There are places for idols, and it's full of gods and goddesses. And Jesus comes to this area, and on the top of the mountain, there's this huge white thing that used to be there, this huge white temple that used to be there years and years ago. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? It's a great question. Who do people say that I am? And they said, well, um, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're, you know, like you're Elijah, you're, you're Jeremiah. You're, you're one of the prophets. You see, this is the question you have to be able to answer. Who is Jesus? Who, who is Jesus? Until you can answer that question, you will start in church and you will stop in church. You will start your spiritual life and you will stop, conclude your spiritual life. Until you can answer that question, you will never be on a path of consistency, and everything is at stake. Josh McDowell, about 20, 25 years ago, wrote a little paperback book. It's a great little book. And the paperback book said Jesus is one of three people. Great, great little book. He, Josh McDowell said Jesus is either a liar or a lunatic or the son of God. It's a great little book. He said, Jesus, he said maybe Jesus is a liar. He said, because he can't be a good moral man knowing if he wasn't the son of God. So if, if he wasn't the son of God, he said, he's a liar. So Jesus is either a liar. He said, he, said, he said, Jesus could be crazy. He could be a lunatic. He's either a liar or he's a lunatic. He says, or he's the son of God. And so Jesus says, who do people say that I am? They give the answer. And then Jesus steps back and he says, all right, now what about you? Who do you say that I am? And that's what you've got to answer. You've got to have this deep within your soul, or you're going to start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. And so Simon Peter said, well, you're the Christ. 
You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, well, blessed are you, Simon Barjon. It wasn't res- delivered to you by flesh and blood, but it was given to you by my Father in heaven. And based on this rock, this huge, huge rock, folks, if you could see this, I'll show you a picture someday, huge rock. He said, based on that foundation, I will build my church. And Jesus then began to build his church. He began to build a church. I think one of the greatest miracles today is that there is a church. The church went through 300 years of incredible persecution. And then the church kind of shot itself in the foot. All the things the church did that was corrupt and all the crusades. And then there wasn't really even a Bible that everybody could read for about 1,800 years until the printing press and about 250 years later, nobody had their own copy of the Bible. The fact that there is a church today and it's growing and expanding and it's transforming lives all over the world, that is a miracle. So the question today for you is, who is Jesus? And can you answer that? And do you know that deep within your soul? And so this guy who finished really, really well, called the Apostle Paul, he talks about this in the book of Colossians. You thought we'd never get there, didn't you? So in the book of Colossians, he starts off with what's known as the supremacy of Christ. And he says these words. He said, the son, again, he finished well. He didn't start and stop. He finished well. He actually gave his life for Christ. He said, the son is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For in Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. In other words, in Genesis, the sixth day of creation, he was there. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. That's why Genesis talks about let us make man in our image. Who's the us in Genesis? He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the church. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then he says this. He just reminds everybody that they had a need for a Savior. He said, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, and they knew they'd sinned just like you and I do. We know we've fallen short of God's glory. Look at the next verse. He says this. He says, and and, and by the way, don't forget, you were dead. You were absolutely dead in your sins. Here's the amazing news, the next verse. He says this, but God, but God made you alive. God transformed you. God made you alive. He gave you a life. He gave you a mission. He gave you a purpose. He gave you clarity. He gave you direction. But, 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 but God made you alive. And he says this. He says he's canceled the charge, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us, and it even condemned us. And he has taken it away, 
nailing it to the cross. And he says this in verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities. Now, what does that mean? We're going to camp out on this verse for just a minute. Look at it on the screen. Don't miss this verse. Jesus disarmed the powers and the authorities. Well, what power? What authority? Well, when Adam and Eve sinned, Adam gave the authority to Satan on this earth. Now, Satan had power on this earth, but now Satan has authority on this earth. And and Adam lost his authority. And so Christ has come to regain the authority. There was never a question about God's and Satan's power. We know who's most powerful. But the authority had been now transferred even to, to, to Satan on this earth, having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle. Because on the cross, it was a very public event. And on that cross, he made a public spectacle. And he's saying basically to the world, I am going to regain my authority. He made a public spectacle, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, I got two little verses, two little screens I want to show you right now, these next two little slides, just so you can follow me. I don't want you to get lost on this. Christ came to regain the authority that Adam lost to the serpent. Look at the next slide. Now, Satan still has power and ability, but he does not have the same authority. He lost his authority. You, now as a believer, have the authority of Christ. You, now as a believer, are covered by the blood of Christ. You, now as a believer, have the shed blood of Jesus covering you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, which means you now have authority. He still has teeth. He still has the ability to kind of mess things up. I call it the blender. You ever have people in your life who are like blenders? They can mess everything up in about 30 seconds. They can just stir it all up, right? Satan can just blender, blender, blender up all your life. and He can mess things up. Satan still has power and ability. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He still has teeth. He has fiery darts. He shoots at you. However, we do not have to just lay back and act like nothing, like we don't have any, any power. Let me tell you this. This does not mean that you won't get cancer. It does not mean that you won't have to go through a divorce. I hope you don't. This doesn't mean that you won't have a child that just runs away from home. This doesn't mean that you won't have a business partner who will betray you. This doesn't mean that you'll have neighbors that just sing kumbaya and invite you over for Thanksgiving. It doesn't mean that. You may not have any of that. What it does mean, though, is that now in Christ you have the authority to be able to to take your position as a believer and say, okay, God, you and I are going to go to battle. You and I are going to go to war. I'm going to claim my authority. I got all kind of problems. I got kid problems. I got marriage problems. I got health problems. I got vocation problems. I, I got relationship. I got all these issues. But God, you and I are going to go to war together. Every one of you in this room, you will either be a warrior or a worrier. You will. You have a choice. And as a worrier, it chokes you, chokes you, chokes you, chokes you, chokes you, and makes you basically inept. Now, worriers don't get very far. They stop along the way. Worriers stop. They don't keep fighting, but warriors still might be scared. The adrenaline may still be pumping, but warriors fight. They fight for their kids. They fight for their marriage. They fight for their community. They fight for their church. They fight for their friends. Warriors fight. Warriors just wimp out. So, you're going to have a problem. 
with a kid or with your marriage or with your health or you have a problem in business. So what if you did a couple things differently? What if instead of taking like a pill to sleep like the next six weeks when your next big catastrophe occurs, what if instead of taking a pill, you get a pillow and you get on your knees and you pray for six weeks? What would be the difference? You get a pillow and you get at the edge of your bed and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you you just pray scripture over your particular situation. What if? Instead of like eating, I got a problem, so I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. I'm going to get the ice cream. I'm going to get the key lime pie. I'm going to eat. I, mean, I love key lime pie, and I like ice cream. So I'm going, to, I'm going to eat myself to death. What if instead of like just comforting food, you go on a fast, and you ask God for breakthroughs, and you go on a fast, five-day fast, three-day fast, seven-day fast, ten-day fast, partial fast, whatever it is. Food's not the important part. The important part is, is you go on a fast and you ask God for breakthroughs. And you fight as a warrior, not as a worrier. What if, just a thought, when you got a problem, instead of going on Facebook and asking everybody on Facebook what they think you should do, <laughs> just a thought. What if you actually just push the social media aside? And you go out to John Chestnut Park, or you go to Philippe Park, or you go to Clearwater Beach, or you go on a drive, and you just listen to Scripture, and you say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you have in store for me? God, I, I want to know what you think. What does your Scripture say? What does your Word teach me about this particular problem? Just, just what, what if well, that would happen in your life? What if? Because you've had this besetting sin that's gotten the best of you. And this same sin, 15 years, 8 years, 25 years, over and over and over, and it's, nobody knows about it. You're keeping it hidden. You're keeping it dark. You're keeping it all wrapped up. What if you go to somebody wise, men with men, women with women, and you go to somebody who's like spiritually ahead of you, and the reason they're spiritually ahead of you is they've already done this. They did this. They had a besetting sin, and they went to somebody. They took the courage and said, I need some help. And that person now doesn't look down on you because that person did that 15 years ago, and they've grown because of it. What if you go to them and say, I need some help with this? Will you walk through this with me? You get it out of the darkness, and you get it into the light. It's out in the open. And now the power of God and the authority of Christ begins to transform your life. Have you stopped along the way? What's at stake? What is at stake if you stop praying, giving, loving, forgiving, serving? What is at stake in your family, your church, your community, your workplace? So here's what Paul says because they were a little off course. And he wanted to make sure they were realigned back where they needed to be. And so Paul, Paul says, he says, therefore put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Stop this. Stop sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And you used to walk in these ways but in the life that you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. But now he says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to put this on. Look at the next verse, verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, 
You see, people who know who Jesus is, people who don't think that he's a liar, people who don't think that he's a lunatic, people who have deep within their soul, I know that I know that I know who he is. He is the Messiah. He is God's chosen, and he is my Savior. People who do that, they clothe themselves. They grow, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you, as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, he says, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Wow. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be what? And be thankful. And be thankful. So how do we do this? How do we not stop along the way? How do we speed up? How do we have more influence? How do we have more leverage? How do we, how do we have more impact? Well, he gives us four suggestions, and I'm going to quickly give these to you in, in your bulletin if you want to write these down. But it really it starts with your heart, and it goes to your mind, and it goes to your emotions, and it goes to your deeds. So let's look at the first one. first one is about your heart. I love how he starts with the heart. He says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He said, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. This is where we start. We begin to think about how a warrior would think. How does a spiritual warrior pray? How does a spiritual warrior act? How does a spiritual warrior give? How does a spiritual warrior serve? How does a warrior serve? He says, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. See at the right hand of God. But don't leave your mind out of it. That's the second part. Get your mind engaged. Get your mind dialed in with your mind. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That makes sense. But let's not just get our heart involved and our mind involved. Let's get our our emotions. Let's get our emotions around this. We get our emotions around this, we're going places, baby. He says this. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Another word for that would be like deeply. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. In other words, man, I'm just, it's the overflow. I, I got God in my life. I'm singing, I'm praising, I'm helping, I'm teaching, I'm loving. I, my, I'm, I'm dialed in, I'm all in. My emotions are all in. And then the last one is, is he said, well, don't forget your deeds. Don't, don't forget what you do. And, and, and Tom Goodlett read this during uh, offering for us. He said this. He said, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I, uh, I, don't, I don't want you to stop along the way. We, we, we don't even know Tara's name. Tara stopped halfway. He went half as far as God asked him to go. 1,500-mile journey, he went about 700 miles. And when Tara died at age 75 years old, Abraham loaded up his family, sold his farm. At 75, he loads everybody up, and they take about an 800-mile journey to a land that he's not even sure where it is. He's never been there. He has no clue where Canaan is. 
God leads him to where he wants him to be. This past Monday and Tuesday, um, I was invited to go to a mega church roundtable, I guess a mini conference. There were 23 of us that were invited as pastors of large churches. And, and they, were, they, they were all kind of states, Wisconsin, um, Rhode Island, um, just a bunch of different states. They flew these guys in. I only had to drive to Orlando, so I drove to Orlando. It was all day Monday and all day Tuesday, and it was really good listening to these other pastors talk about church world and, and trends today and all those kinds of things. But the last two hours on Tuesday uh, evening, the moderator started and he said, we're going to go around the table. There's 23 of us. And he said, we're going to go around the table and we're going to ask how you're doing. And he said, he said, you pastors, you're not very good at this because you're used to shepherding others, but you're not used to being shepherded. But we're going to go around the table right now and ask how you're doing. And, and the first guy was like stuttering and stumbling because it's hard for us. to. I mean, it's just hard. The second guy was Mitch. And Mitch said, my wife and I are so upset. Our son's in Italy. He's a sergeant. He got involved with the wrong crowd. We told him these weren't good friends. We told him these weren't good people. And he got involved with the wrong crowd. And we just had to go to Italy to get my will be my ex-daughter-in-law and, and our two grandkids because my son, he, he's, not, he's not doing well. Another guy around the table's name was Ben, and we'd been with Ben for two days. We didn't know Ben's wife had breast cancer. And Ben started telling us about all the things he was excited about, what he, God was doing, and Mitch did the same thing, but, but, but Mitch got real, and, then, and Ben got real and said, you know what, I don't know about my wife. I don't know if she's going to make it or not. I don't know if she's going to live or not. Married 36, 37 years. And it's all of a sudden, Ben starts getting real about breast cancer, about his wife. And all the guys are starting to go around. I think there were like 15 of the 23 guys that had something major going on in their family. And, And all these guys, they didn't stop along the way. Then it came to Pete, and Pete was like the last one. And I think Pete's maybe 70 and he and his church are somewhere in North Carolina. They've just bought like 50-some acres. And, he, and Pete's getting ready to, to, to lead his church, about 70, on an entire relocation, moving locations, moving out of there. And, and, and Pete just had so much fire for Christ. And then he told us his problem. So my wife's got dementia, serious dementia. I got tears coming down my face not because I got a big problem. I'm sitting there thinking, these guys are going to, they're not going to stop. Not one of these guys in that table were stopping. They were, they were older. They were some unhealthy. They had family issues, family problems. But all these guys, they weren't going to be terror. They were Abraham. They were going to finish well. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to do. Maybe you've stalled out. It's time to reignite. But the best part is, don't ever stop. We have such an opportunity to change the lives of children in our community. We have such an opportunity to change our culture with our students, with our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. We have such an opportunity to evangelistically share the gospel of Jesus Christ and help people to understand the watershed issue is who is Jesus? And and can you get Jesus like in your heart and in your mind and in your soul? It needs to be seated deeply. 
My friends, you can stop along the way. Nobody's going to remember your name. Nobody. And God's going to pick up an Abraham. If you don't do it, God's going to put an Abraham in your family or in your community or in your workplace. God's going to bring Abrahams up, and he will finish his work because he's God. But why not let him use you? Why not let him use me? We're not going to stop along the way. We are just getting the party started. We're just getting going. And so my encouragement to you, finish well, whatever that means. And it's really not the destination. It's really the journey. Because all along the way from Haran down to Canaan, Abraham had to trust God for water. And Abraham got attacked and his nephew Lot, you know, got carried away. And Abraham had to send 318 special forces to go, go get him back. And Abraham himself went and fought to get Lot back. It's not the destination. It's the journey. So will you be faithful today? Will you pray, love, serve, forgive, help, be what God's called you to be today? Well, it all comes back to Jesus Christ.